Almost 10 years ago, I left a corporate career that just wasn't giving me the professional or personal life that I wanted. I was burnt out, disengaged, and feeling sick and tired of having no control over my schedule and feeling like there were always limits on what I could accomplish. So I started a consulting business. I had no idea what was in store for me, but by taking that leap, I created a new path to professional success significantly more income, and a personal life with so much flexibility, family time, and lots of travel. And I don't think I'll ever look back. So many of you have heard my story and asked me if you should jump into consulting. It's not a simple yes or no, so I've created a short quiz to help you figure out if consulting is right for you. If you're wondering if consulting might be the next right step for you, go ahead and take two minutes to take the quiz at theclaritywizard.com forward slash quiz and discover if now is the right time to move from employee to entrepreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Fork in the Road podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Guzman Galloway. And on this season two, we are talking to experts who help us move past this fork in the road and into the next phase of our journey. This episode is filled with so much knowledge. Dr. Frauza Booker-Drew is talking to us about networking when you haven't networked in a long time. And the insights and guidance are golden. She talks about social capital and how relationships are currency. She shares excellent advice on how to build your network starting today and talks about how we must change the narrative, that negative narrative that we have about networking and relationship building. These are the stories that we tell ourselves. And finally, she tasks us with an assignment that can change our network by year's end. So I hope you take lots of notes and then get to work. Hello, Dr. Frazzo. I'm so happy to have you on the program today. We are talking about a topic that is really important to a lot of people. I think even if you've been doing it for a long time, you are stressed about it. So certainly having been out of it for a long time is an overwhelming stressor. So I'm glad that we have you to help guide us through this process as we talk about how to network when I haven't networked in a long time. And before we jump into the topic itself, we'd love to hear a little bit about you. Tell us about kind of your background and the work you do now and how you kind of became an expert on the topic of networking. So I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. And I'm excited to share with your listeners. You know, initially I had been doing this ideal of social capital, which is about networks and relationships. And throughout college, I had these amazing mentors and sponsors in my life who opened doors for me. And I had no idea that what they were doing was really setting me up for my future. And I didn't have a name for it, but I just always felt it was important to keep in contact with people, to maintain relationships, leverage them. And then I learned when I was working on my PhD, that term social capital. And, and so even though I had been doing that and most of my work has been around, you know, facilitating, connecting people, you know, in my previous role, I spent a lot of time working within communities and helping connect people to resources, but I didn't have the terminology for what I was doing. And so 
part of what has made me special in this space. I don't necessarily always go expert because I'm still learning. But what has made me special in this space is not only the academic piece of writing a dissertation around how women connect to each other and building relationships, but it's been this kind of practical experience throughout my life from college until now of connecting people to resources, to each other, to ideas that has me, you know, in this space where my lived experience has collided with the academic. Mm, So tell us about your academic background. So I have a PhD in leadership and change, and my focus was on social capital. Basically, how is it that women, diverse women, build relationships? And I was intrigued with this idea of using this practice called immunity to change. There are these two professors out of Harvard who wrote this book called Immunity to Change. It is powerful. I encourage everybody to get this book because it talks about at any age you can change. It really is about the mental plateaus that we have. And so I won't go into all the mindsets that they discuss, but I wanted to take their tool and see if that tool could be used to help women build relationships and hold each other accountable. And so I brought together this diverse group of women from, you know, early 20s to, you know, early 60s and really had them talk about these different topics. And it was guided conversation. I learned a whole lot. I learned about the fact that when we are in community with each other, something happens that's called perception transformation. That when I'm listening to you and you're telling me your story, my mind can begin to change about things where I'm going, well, hmm, I may have thought one way about this, but now because I'm in proximity to you and I'm seeing you're a good person and we're vibing, maybe I should reconsider my stance on X. And so I remember I brought the women together and two of them had lost their jobs, one being Black female, didn't have a position that was extremely prominent, but had been there for years very connected in the community. And another was a white female who had a big title. And for her, it was her identity had been lost. For the African-American female, it was like, well, how do I make ends meet? And having them in this space together to share did this perception transformation, but they were able to share resources with each other and help one another out. And so without giving you know all the detail of the research, it really helped me come up with these ways of thinking and knowing about how when we're together, mm-hmm. how that can change relationships, really thinking about ways in which women can connect together and build long lasting relationships. There's this term called high quality connections. And so how do we focus on building these connections that impact us that are not just transactional, but transformative? And so Again, that's a piece of it, but I'm hoping that with that information, it helps women to think about the ways in which they connect to each other and that despite diversity differences, that there are so many things that we have in common that can bring us together when we're proximate in safe spaces and are willing to share. Mm, And I love that. And I definitely feel that in my experience, having left corporate career where a lot of that network is baked into the experience. And now being a consultant and being a solopreneur, a business owner, where I've got to go out and find this community of people. But what I relate a lot to what you're saying is that my relationships with women, particularly women of color, have really been the transformative ones, where you're feeling like there's an equal attempt at supporting each other without a requirement for 
something in return. Right. And I just find that that's just interesting. I hadn't put it all together, but it's certainly true in my own experience that has happened. And I wonder what is it about connecting with women in general, but then also as a woman of color, connecting with other women of color that really helps solidify that relationship. You know, it's interesting you say that because yesterday I went to this spa and there was a black female who's the owner. I didn't know she was the owner. And we started talking and she's telling me about it. And immediately I was like, I want to see you win. So what can I do to help you win? And recognizing that there is nothing that I lose in connecting. And I think that's the problem for many people. We see that when we are helping others, or sharing resources, that there's something that we lose. And for me, I gained so much from talking with her, giving her, you know, encouragement and support because it encouraged me to see how she's hustling to build this business. And I already sent a friend a note. I was like, you have got to go see her. She's doing this, you know? And so what does it look like for us as women to begin to think about the collaboration and the spirit of, co-creating with each other to win. And I think that for women, it's important because when you look at data, especially in corporate America, and you see how many women are at the C-suite and you begin to, even where I came from, a nonprofit management, and you see the number of women that are in senior leadership positions or serve on boards of directors and they're women of color, the numbers are dismal. There has been some progress, but there is enormous work to be done. And so when we step out of those spaces and begin to start doing our own thing, our success is going to come from supporting each other and saying that when you win, I win. And how do we create these communities that are not just in talk about, yeah, I want to see you do this, but it's like, no, I'm going to really get behind you and I'm going to call this person. I'm going to put you up on Facebook. I'm going to help you do this because in helping you, it helps me. And so it's changing the paradigm of how we see connecting and relationships from this transactional of you do it for me, I get something back. No, no, no. It's transformative that if you win, the doors that that can open for me is also just as lucrative as it is for you. And so I'm hoping that women begin to start looking at their relationships very differently from, you know, I'm going to talk to them because they have something I need to more of if we get together. We can change this world. Mm, I I love that so much. And um, it feels like it happens organically sometimes, but I like the challenge of being intentional about it. Yes. And really showing up with that type of perspective about how you can help others. And I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the term social capital. I've heard it thrown around many times. I can generally understand the concept, but would love from an academic perspective and even in practice, how do we really think about what that is? So it's recognizing that is a form of currency. Your relationships are not just, you know, I know this person. When we start looking at money, money is tied to relationships. It just doesn't fall out of the sky. It's connected to another human being for a service that you provide. So when you focus more on the relationship, the service and all those pieces can come together. At the core, social capital is trust. I can't build a relationship with you if I don't trust you. And I can't have trucks if there's not this proximity that exists. So we got to be in spaces together in community, whether that's virtual or whether that's in person. It is making the time to make sure we're creating a space to get to know each other. So I can 
trust you and want to do things with you. So there is this scholar by the name of Robert Putnam. He wrote a book in 2010 called Bowling Alone. And this man does probably one of the biggest comprehensive studies on social capital. And some of what he found was that when communities have high social capital, folks vote. When communities have high social capital, educational outcomes are better. When communities have high social capital in them, what happens is, is that you begin to see crime go down. Well, why is that? It's because now I feel like I belong. I feel connected to my community. I feel connected to the business owners in my community. I know them and I, we're waving as we're driving down the street. And so what you begin to see is when communities don't have that, it becomes this polarization. It's us against them. So now I feel like I got to get from you because you're taking something from me. And the reality is, no, we're all missing out if we don't get all of us together and benefit from the collective brilliance and understanding that there are resources that you have that I may not have access to. And so social capital really is about relationships and how do you use those relationships to move the needle. In every community, you will notice that it is done through the connections that we have. So whether it's, you know, I talk to my congressperson because I need them to do X. That's using your social capital for influence. It's whether like what happened with me and this business owner, I'm walking in, we're talking, we're connecting because we're both business owners and then saying, hey, I want to help you. We're building our social capital. And then she introduced me to someone else. So, I mean, we do this every single day. And as women of color, we have got to begin to understand that it is currency. It's not just something that's compartmentalized over there. How do you use that to move the needle in your business and your personal and professional lives? We need relationships. We need each other. Mm. Amazing. Hey, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sounds great. But give me the book. <laughs> I haven't done this in a long time. Mm-hmm. I have not actively gone into the world to try to talk to people. I'm sitting in my bubble of the three people who sit around me in my cube or the five people I do conference calls for the last two years. I've been working from home. I'm not going to lunches or dinners. I have not been in any events. I'm not going to conferences. I'm at zero. Yes. Please, Dr. Frazzo, tell me where to start. How do I even begin this process? So there is this amazing activity called COIN, and you can even go on LinkedIn and, or Google it. And it's Circles of Influence, and it's in your network, Circles of Influence Network. And it's this chart where you begin to start mapping your relationships. So you're in the center and you start thinking about who are the people that know about your business and know about your work. And then there's a second layer. They may know you, but they're not really familiar with your work. And then there's a third layer of this outer layer of they may have had contact with you. They don't know you well. They don't know your work, but they could be someone you need to connect to. Building these relationships has to be intentional. So it can't just be this loosey-goosey. You can do that and just go out and meet people. But if you're really trying to build a business, you need to really start mapping what you already have. LinkedIn is an amazing tool because what I don't think many of us realize is that first level of relationship that we're connected to, quite often we don't know those people. We just friended them. So what does it mean to start doing virtual coffees with people? If you're comfortable with going out in person, then so do it. I am a believer that at least Twice a month, you should have two new people that you're adding to your network. And that's easy. It's a virtual coffee. It's, you know, I'm doing one this evening with someone that I don't know that we're going to talk about, you know, what she's trying to do and, you know, how we can support each other. How do you start making the time to do that? And it's that simple. 
So using your social media and beginning to identify people that have you know, similar interests, or I call them sympathetic sectors, that they may not be in the same line of business that you're in or work that you're in, but they're doing something similar that they may have access to networks that you don't have. And then how do you start thinking about professional associations and organizations? So for many of us, you know, you may have pledged in college a sorority and you're not involved in that anymore. You might want to start thinking about how you tap back into that network. Or if you're doing public relations, how do you get in groups like Public Relations Society of America? Even if you don't do public relations, but you need that aspect of your work to build your business, why would you join a group like that? And if you're in the Dallas area, they're huge. And so they're all over the country. But how do you start finding these affinity groups to begin to connect to so that you can build your network and begin to build people that become advocates for you? Ready to ditch corporate and find fulfillment as your own boss? You may be considering or even dreaming of ditching that life-sucking job and doing your own thing as a consultant. But right now, it still feels like a huge leap and you aren't sure where to begin. You can keep considering and dreaming, but if you're not professionally or personally fulfilled, then what are you waiting for? It's time to tap into the expertise and experience you already have with confidence and create your own consulting business where you can control your career, your income, and your time. Introducing From Corporate to Consultant, the Consultant Launch Course. Go from your corporate job to establishing a company, getting clients, and planning for growth in just six weeks. If you want to start consulting, you need to know how to start a business. This course gives you the exact roadmap you need to build your consulting business. Yes, you can spend hours and hours searching and finding answers in the black hole of the internet, trying to make sense of it all, or just figuring it out as you go but I have been there and I know it's a waste of time and money. So I've taken my almost 10 years of experience in building a consultancy of over 500,000 in revenue and put it into this course. With an easy to follow approach, this course will give you a strong foundation for your business and set you up with a clear plan for how to move forward. So you can focus on doing your best consulting work and getting results like the expert that you are. It's time to stop feeling stuck and start feeling in charge of your path. The sooner you get started, the sooner you can leave your nine to five behind and start taking control of your schedule, your finances, your legacy, and your life. Visit theclaritywizard.com forward slash course to get started today. What you want to also think about is how do you have your own personal board of directors? I think for a lot of women, we don't do that well. You need to have a group of people at your table who can speak into your life and who can challenge you. One of the reasons I got a PhD was my personal board of directors jacked me up. I mean, it was so crazy how they must have been talking to each other because I would get calls and they were like, so you're not going to go back to school. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, I need to. And it was a group of people who just really got in my ear and said, it's time for you to do this. And I appreciated that because they saw something in me that I did not see in myself. I tend to stack my board with people who have characteristics that I'm not strong in. So business acumen and really thinking about money because I just love helping people. I've stacked my board with people who are like, no, ma'am, you're not charging enough. What is wrong with you? You want to be broke? You know, and so they make me go, okay, yeah, I guess you got a point. And I've done better because they speak into my life. But you need that personal board of directors. But you also need to make sure 
as you're building your network, that you're getting mentors and you're getting sponsors. And sometimes those can be the same people, but quite often they may not be. The mentor is the person who's giving you their experience and speaking into you and, you know, about professional goals, but also personal. Because there are certain areas personally that we're weak in and you need people to talk to you. If you are just newly married, you want to talk to somebody who's been married a long time to tell you, don't do that. Let that go. You want to seek those people out that can serve as an undergirding for you. And so build your mentors that do that. But your sponsors are different. And sometimes they're the ones that are in the workplace with you. The sponsors are the people that are not only giving you the mentoring, but they're seeing your name in rooms that you never go into. They're the ones that are advocating for you when you don't even know. And they're saying, hey, you need to contact Kathy because Kathy is doing some really good work in this space. Reach out to her. So how do you make sure that you are developing, you know, these groups of people in your life that support and undergird the work that you do that serve as a launching pad so that your business can blow up because you got this army behind you that's helping you do it. So it goes back again to the relationships. You got to have people to help you do this well. So use your LinkedIn, start mapping your network and build that board. I don't have words. I'm like blown away by the things you were saying to me, right? Just this idea of a board of directors, we can end this conversation right now. You've done your job. (laughs) And I'm immediately going to be working on recruiting a board of directors. I love the concept of that. And I'm really clear about what you're saying. I got to go do, I got to go out into this sort of the sphere of the circle of influence that I have and find that first connection, second connection, third connection, and start to build relationships there. I need to go out in places that these groups and associations that are important to the work I do, where I can start to build networks in. I got to build a board of directors and I got to get mentors and sponsors that do different things for me. I'm blown away by the idea that someone is speaking my name into rooms where I'm not present, where maybe I can't go into. I get all of that and it feels really powerful How do I literally start a relationship with someone? I'm thinking about what you're saying. It feels a little bit like I am asking people for something, right? So the first part we were talking about giving and giving and giving, but there is a little aspect of asking for, how do I feel comfortable asking people to help me? Yeah. And I think that's something we got to get over because Mm -hmm. I think that so often we block our own blessings because our ego and pride gets in the way. And I think we have to be comfortable with being vulnerable. And I'll give you an example. So last night I'm teaching and I was doing this presentation and telling a story about my life. And as soon as I started showing pictures of my childhood, there's a piece of me that goes, oh my God, these are my students. I don't know if I want them to know that about me, Hmm. but I had already started. And when we ended, one of my students said to me, she goes, I want to thank you for being vulnerable and sharing, you know, sharing your life. And I was like, oh my God, that's what it is. I was so uncomfortable because I was putting myself out there and sharing pieces of me. And for a lot of us, that's frightening. That's why networking is hard because it's like, I got to share something about me. And I don't know if I want you to know that. And then one of my students made the comment and I went, yes, this is it. She goes, that is why my network won't grow. She goes, I know all these people. And because I will not be vulnerable, I'm missing out on opportunities because I will not go deeper with some people like I can This is a process. And I don't want people to think that in two days, you're going to have your network built up and you're ready to rock and roll. It is a process of finding people. It takes time, but you got to be committed to you. If you're committed to your business being successful, you got to be committed to you and knowing that you need help to do this and that you're willing to do what it takes and knowing that it is a process. And sometimes you're going to kiss some frogs 
that you're kind of going, oh yeah, this mentor didn't work out. They talk too much about them. They're not helping me. That's okay because there's a lesson in that that you'll get as a result of it. But take your time in doing this. Map out the characteristics that you want in a mentor. I think we get so caught up in this ideal of success. And I see someone who's made all this money. Making money does not equate to character. And so they may have it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they may help you get it either. So be very mindful of I'm not just looking at the position of a person and what they do and this functionality. I'm also looking at character traits, what got them there and what keeps them there. I need to know that and I need you to invest that in me. So pay attention for you in the beginning. It's being an investigator and going around and writing up this list of these are the things that are important to me. Hmm, This person has that characteristic. Maybe I should reach out to them and do a virtual coffee and just talk and learn more without walking in and going, mentor me. Take the time to get to know them. And that's where the win-win comes in because you may have something to offer them too. So take the time to get to know them. And if there's this click that happens and you feel like you can gain something, then that's when you ask, hey, I'd love for you to mentor me. And that relationship may stay at a mentoring relationship or it may be that becomes your sponsor too, where they're going, yeah, I can't do this, but I got somebody else who can do it. So just be willing to put together, just like you schedule your meetings, schedule the time to build relationships too. Use things like Meetup. Meetup is an amazing website that has all these different Mm -hmm. volunteer groups and opportunities. How can you start finding groups to connect to once a month that you can be a part of just to build your network and get to know some really cool people? Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. And so to clarify on this idea of mentors and sponsors, a sponsor starts out as a mentor. I'm looking they can. for to mentor me. They can. Right? And mm-hmm. am I asking someone to be my sponsor or does that sort of happen? Oh, you can. Yeah. It, it's a combination. I mean, I've seen in the workplace where there are people who, you know, do that, just they see your potential and your possibility and they just do it for you. And there are other times where you may go to someone and say, I really need your help to advocate for me. What can I do better? What do I need to know? And that person works with you, but they're still also telling other people, you need to help this person. I find myself quite often doing that for people because I recognize, as my grandmother used to say, when my fist is closed, nothing can get in it. As long as my hand is open, I can catch and grab whatever I want to be in my hand. And I've learned that when I release that and allow other people the opportunity to shine, it doesn't diminish my light at all. Mm. I'm still able to shine sometimes more than I expected because of the willingness to give. So it's a give and take. And sometimes it is you taking this information from people. And sometimes it is going to be this mutual beneficial relationship. Try to, to make sure that it it is beneficial for everybody that's involved, that you walk away feeling like you not only got something, but they feel better too, because they were connected to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And you're making me think about my own journey as an entrepreneur, a small business owner in that in the first few years of having left the corporate world and kind of being on my own, I found it to be really hard to reach out to people and to connect to people. Now I can reflect back and know that it's for the exact reason you're saying that I felt vulnerable to go out and ask for help. And these days, I find it to be very easy to connect with people like you suggest in virtual coffees, and I meet people for lunches. And more often than not, what I'm doing and the premise of our get-together is just tell me about you and let me know how I can help you. And things naturally come of that. But, But it took me a very long time to get into that state of comfort to be able to do that. And so I wonder, you know, 
above and beyond what you've already given us a lot of guidance on how to kind of get started with that. But what would be your suggestion for how I could have accelerated that process? Right. I don't want it to take five years to feel comfortable. How do I get there more quickly? But you just said it. It's analyzing the stories that you tell about yourself and the relationships. I think if we tell these stories of, oh my God, it's so hard, it's so bad, it's so awful, you attract more of what you focus on. So if the focus is negative, you're going to get more of that. Pay attention to the stories that you tell about relationships. And I think it's important to even kind of go through your own life, like you just said about, you know, when you were in corporate America, what those relationships were like, what were some of the lessons that you've learned? And then do some reflection on, so where are you now? And what is it that you're telling? Because if you're telling the story of defeat and it's difficult, then you're going to get more of that and you're going to bring more people into your space with that. So how do you change the narrative about relationship building and recognizing that even when you have these tough relationships that you've gone through, what are the lessons that you've learned and how can you build on those lessons? I think that's the starting place because so often we want to build the relationships and we look to other people without looking in ourselves and seeing what is it that we say and believe about people and relationships. If you have this errant belief of, I can't trust people, then you got to check that because that's going to be hard to build a relationship. And what I said earlier, if trust is the core of social capital, how are you going to build a relationship when you just say, I can't trust people? So you're going to build more transactional relationships than ones that are transformative and elevate both of you or all of you that are involved. And yeah, there are times you're going to get burned. It happens. But how do you make sure that that doesn't become this narrative of everybody is bad versus that person lost out? I learned a valuable lesson. What am I going to do moving forward to continue doing this and not giving up on me or giving up on people because I had one bad fool I had to encounter or two? Mm-hmm. What I hear you talking about is really a growth mindset, right? To yes, whatever comes your way, how do I learn and pivot from that to keep moving forward versus stopping? Yeah. Yes. And getting into a pity party where then you just spiral out of, well, nobody's trustworthy. I've got to do this all myself. And so you end up staying a small business owner and not growing because then you believe that I got to be all things to everybody and do everything. And at some point, you want your business to get to a place where you are going to need help, where you're going to have to delegate and hire people. But if you focus solely on the lack of relationship, the trust that I don't have, it's going to be hard to bring people into that space and they stay with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No one wants to be in that kind of negativity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've heard everything you said. I feel mm-hmm. so engaged. I feel excited about this. I think I can do it. What would be your advice for what I should literally do right now? Like the very first thing I should start working on, what do I do first? So go through your network on LinkedIn and start looking at the people that you don't know and want to know. And two, the ones you know, but you need to leverage and talk to them more and put together your calendar and your approach of how you're going to start meeting with those people. So by the end of the year, there should be 24 more people that are in your network. And as you're getting business cards, meeting with people, you're out in public and connecting and folks give you their card, follow up within 48 hours. You need to follow up and send an email and go, it was great meeting you. Let's connect. That's another way to build your network. And we often don't leverage those people after we meet them. We just go, hey, and we're done. Follow up. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I would love for you to tell us 
if we want to work with you, we want to learn from you, we want to read about you, where can we find you? How do we get in touch? So you can reach me. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Francois. I'm on LinkedIn at Francois Booker Drew. And then my website is Dr. Francois Booker. You can find me. I respond to emails. And so as the kids say, get at me. I'm looking forward (laughs) to working with you and helping you in any way that I can. I love that. This has been such a powerful conversation and you've given us so much to really work off. So I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course.